This is G&E, the podcast, Golf and Entrepreneurship with Sam and Dennis of Cut Golf Co. I said, no, I mean, look at, look at how this market is receiving this product. It was with open arms. And instead, you know, what I did is I said, let's just walk through the Kirkland door, essentially. So they were blazing a path. There are some others, you know, out there that were starting to blaze a path to say, you know, hey, this, you know, maybe a direct-to-consumer brand would be something that golfers are receptive to. And then, you know, we took, we took our message, we took our product, we refined it, and then we brought it to market uh, in, in early 2017. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of G&E, the podcast where each week we talk with individuals who are creating remarkable careers, lives, and businesses around this great game. And this week we have a fun and disruptive one for you all. Sam and Dennis from Cut Golf have joined us to Tell us about the best damn golf ball under 20 bucks, which is their slogan and how they have grown it into a robust direct to consumer business in a relatively short time. And basically they got tired of losing golf balls that were three or four bucks a piece, but didn't want to sacrifice quality, which happens when you drop down to that $15, $20 a dozen price mark. But after seeing the reception, the Kirkland golf ball received from the market And for those who don't know about that, basically Kirkland launched a golf ball that was cheap and tested as well as the big brands, top golf balls, and it was a big hit. And so Sam saw that there was a market for a disruptive idea like this and decided to take action. And I'll let them fill you in on the rest of the story from there. So Sam and Dennis, welcome to the podcast. What's going on? Uh, a whole lot, Ryan. Uh, We're just uh, over here getting ready for the uh, Cut Golf Invitational and, um, you know, shipping golf balls at the same time, opening up uh, new uh, retail channels. It's just another day here at Cut Golf. Even busy. I love to hear that. And so where are you guys calling in from? Uh, I'm in Costa Mesa, California, and uh, Dennis is out in Scottsdale, Arizona. Awesome. So you guys are spread out across the West Coast. And I heard you mention there that you have the Cut Golf Invitational coming up. That sounds like a good time to me. And so what is the uh, story behind that? Sure. So uh, this year we're running a two-day event um, right here in our own backyard. Uh, we'll start over at the Newport Beach Golf Course, which we affectionately call the Mat, for a you know a nine-hole shootout. Uh, then we'll move over to the Country Club here in Costa Mesa. Um, it's it's kind of like a new you know, cool, um, bar slash restaurant in town, um, that has a very uh, cool golf theme to it. Um, and then, uh, next Thursday on October 18th, uh, we go and play the, the invitational <clears throat> at strawberry, uh, farms in Irvine. And, uh, actually the fun fact is strawberry farms is where the aha moment happened for, for cut golf. So that's why we play it there. That's cool. And so this year we're. Oh, go ahead. Oops, sorry. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that we mentioned that uh, this year um, we we last year we worked with um, with with a charity for a friend of ours who had passed from brain cancer, and you know made a contribution back to to the to the family. And this year we are raising funds for Team Nico. Uh, team uh, Nico is a good friend of Cut Golf. And a 10-year-old boy here locally that um, survived leukemia a few years back. 
And this year, um, what proceeds are going to is Nico and his family make these nice little backpacks for all the kids that are going into Children's Hospital of Orange County. So uh, we like to have some fun. We like to do some good as well. Yeah, of course. And just using your growing business to help out others is always great to see. So congrats on doing all that. And I'm sure we will get to how getting involved with a community like this happened because without starting cut, you wouldn't have been able to do things like this. And so before we get into the whole story, um, can you tell us about your careers and lives with golf prior to starting this growing venture? I'll let Dennis take that one. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this one this one was uh, definitely coming out of left field for me. Um, I've always had a interest to do in startups. Um, I actually tried to launch a t-shirt company in my younger days. I uh, wanted to get into music production and stuff, but my actual career, which has been in energy since I graduated from college, um, decided to take me down the corporate route instead of the entrepreneurial route. So when the opportunity arose, uh, working with Sam in the energy industry and, and to do this golf project together, I had to jump on this opportunity. Um, playing golf is a growing ha- hobby of mine. I actually didn't like it growing up. I preferred more action-packed sports like lacrosse and basketball and football, but getting older and not being able to take physical abuse, I figured out, you know what, I might as well start learning how to play golf because that's what all the older guys are doing. Um, so when the opportunity allowed me to marry a, a growing hobby and passion to actually owning a business in the industry, I, I couldn't turn it down. Um, so my background with sales and supply chain and project development and finance just really married up with the projects we're working on, working on here at Cut. So from the sounds of it, you and Sam got to know each other from working in the same industry. That's correct. That's awesome. So you guys are working together and Sam for yourself, uh, were you a big golfer growing up or is it a similar story to Dennis? So, uh, the, the funny thing is, uh, so I grew up playing hockey. Soccer is my main sports, um, you know, all the way through, through my adolescence into college. And then, you know, when I was graduating from high school, it was, uh, somewhere around 1997. So if you put that together with where Tiger was in his career, um, that's when golf really started getting a lot of mainstream exposure. Um, I got my first set of golf clubs from my dad for, for graduate, you know, as my graduation present from high school. And at that point it was just, it it was like a hobby, you know, like you and your friends would go out. I mean, that was like the, you know, go out and play nine in the afternoon. And that was just the way to spend some time, you know, during the summers. And then, you know, you go through college, you, you know, the clubs go in the corner of the garage, you don't think about it much. And then it was, you know, when you're getting into your early thirties where you're like, I need something, you know, I want to do something, something outside social, ah, let's, let's go play around to golf. And then I just fell back in love with it. And it's, you know, the rest is history, if you will. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I feel like all my buddies have the exact same lineage with golf and now mid-20s, late-20s, everyone is getting obsessed with it again. But I would love to talk about that aha moment you mentioned a few minutes back. Uh, you guys have clearly found a really good target customer base with your brand cut. And for those who don't know your slogan, it is the best damn golf ball under 20 bucks. And so how did this idea come about? Well, <laughs> who likes losing golf balls and who likes losing $3, you know, three to $4 golf balls. Um, no one. I think is the, yeah, no one. And 
and that was me, right? I mean, to this day, I still, you know, I still play to a 16. Um, I'm actually going to go out and play a little bit later on today on a course. It's pretty tight here um, in, in the local area. And I bet you I'll lose about two to three sleeves with the <laughs> golf balls. Uh, and I'm not ashamed to say it, right? I mean, I, I, that is the reason why this company exists. Um, and out of these issues, you know, people find solutions. And I, I was skeptical at first, you know, I mean, yeah, I was tired of losing six, nine, seven, you know, balls around, multiply that times three times four. And then I just said, well, there's gotta be a better solution here. So I started, you know, really digging my teeth into what do the, you know, what are the manufacturing options out there? Um, you know, starting to really understand the intricacies of the product not only standpoint, but, you know, the marketing standpoint, you know, what's the size of the market look like and what's the opportunity look like. And after taking the time to, to assess it, I said, Oh, th- there, there might be something here. Um, at this point, the, the Kirkland ball was coming to the market. Mm-hmm. And instead of, you know, seeing that is, is something where I go, well, I'm never going to compete with Kirkland. Um, you know, they're, they're just too big. They're, they're too broad. Um, I said, no, I mean, look at, look at how this market is receiving this product. It, it was with open arms. And yeah. that, you know, what I did is I said, let's just walk through the Kirkland door, essentially. So they were blazing a path. There are some others, you know, out there that were starting to blaze the path to say, you know, hey, this, you know, maybe a direct-to-consumer brand would be something that golfers are receptive to. And then, you know, we took, we took our message, we took our product, we refined it. And then we brought it to market uh, in, in early 2017. That's cool. And so, you know, I, I'd imagine trying to find a manufacturer and all that, it's probably not the easiest process. And, you know, because like you said, it's you, you have a high quality ball for under 20 bucks and this is a business. You have to make money. Um, you know, how, how did you guys find this manufacturer that was going to create this product where you could actually have some decent margins? Yeah, it took some soul searching, to be honest, trying to figure out the balance between quality and performance and overall the cost structure. Um, and then trying to filter out the noise out there in the manufacturing manufacturing space as well. Um, without giving up too much of our secret sauce, I guess you can just say it, it came into a relatively fortuitous situation that we were able to find a partner um, that was able to get to our cost structure that we needed to make the business model work in addition to making quality product and performance. Okay. Um, okay. And so you find this manufacturer and you mentioned there that this allowed the business model to work without sacrificing quality. And you guys sent me some golf balls and it holds true. I was absolutely blown away with how they perform at the price point. And I know on your site, there are some tests you guys ran that compare it to the big names in golf. And so for people who have, you know, maybe never tried your balls or seen those stats, uh, can you talk to us about how they hold up against big names like a Titleist or a Callaway? I think from just from our perspective, we like to keep the rest of the brands anonymous. We call them and refer to them as the other guys. We will never make the claim that that we outperform brand A or brand B. That's just not our space. We just want to let people know that we have the data points to show that our golf balls, even though at a significant lower price point, is not necessarily an inferior product. It's not something that you're going to get 
uh, uh, golf balls, you know, that's typically reserved for the shag bag. This is um, top quality performance golf balls. But at the same time, you know, we're, we're staying in our space. We're providing value proposition for the people that are out there. Also, um, you know, something that we like to really point out to is if you look at how we perform against other major brands, Golf Digest did a really good write-up about 50-yard pitch shots and showing spin to launch angle as compared to the price point. And that article is actually really powerful because it showed that you don't need to pay money to get spin since we were one of the highest spinning golf balls at the lowest price point. Wow, that is amazing. You were able to create a breakthrough like this. And so I'm guessing by the response across social media that I'm seeing and outlets such as Golf Digest picking this up that people are really catching on to the Cut Golf brand. And so are you finding that business is going well so far? I would say absolutely. Um, you know, we, we look at where we were, you know, it's always fun to, to you know, we, we like to do this game called Where Were We a Year Ago? <laughs> and, you know, you, you pull up the sales numbers from, say, you know, October 9th or 10th um, from, you know, of last year. And you look at today's number and you just see the growth. I would say that's, that's a lot of fun. And, you know, what's, what keeps me going day in and day out is, is all the positive comments and reviews and, and messages that we get from, from customers, not only here in the U.S., but, but around the world. Yeah, and to go off that, I gave a few sleeves to my friends when you guys sent me some, and they all loved them. And it was not just for how they performed on the course, but something that I think they really liked about the golf ball was just not the quality, but also the name. They really liked the branding behind it, and I think they could relate to it. And so naming a business isn't always easy. Was this a struggle for you guys, or did the cut name come pretty naturally? No, I think it came out pretty naturally. Um, you know, possibly, you know, spitballing it over, over a few drinks with, yeah. with, uh, Matt, who's one of our, our other partners here. And, you know, it's like, you just kind of throw it against the wall and you're like, huh, huh that works. <laughs> you know, that's, that's really starting to stick. Yeah. That's really starting to stick. But then at the same time, you know, you go into it eyes wide open knowing, you know, because we, we live in the, the age of social media and, you know, everyone's got a comment or an opinion. And I, I knew that, you know, at some point you would see the, the typical comments that we see now is like, Hey, when's the draw model coming out or just, you know, I mean, people just like to play off the name and have some fun with it. Um, and you know what, if we're, if we're getting that sort of, you know, comment or emotion from someone, I, I would say, you know, it's, it's mission accomplished, right? We, we got them to at least interact with us. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mission accomplished for sure. But at this point in the story of cut golf, you guys have a great golf ball. You have a manufacturer, you have a phenomenal name, all the pieces are in place. And because of that, you have grown a lot since then. And I'm curious, was this something where you guys quit your jobs and went all in, or did you keep your jobs and build this in your free time? Um, pretty, pretty well-known secret. <laughs> we all still have our day jobs. That's awesome. Um, no one is, you know, yeah, we, we all have our day jobs. We have two full-time employees that, that help us day in and day out. Um, you know, and so we're still, we're still in the, uh, in the renewable energy of business, um, by day and by night. 
you know, we're, we're over here managing cutoff or some sort of variation of day and night, you know, however you want to look at it. That's cool. Has that been, have you guys found that to be a challenge at all? Like has your life changed from a time management perspective and, you know, getting the chance to like hang out with family, friends and all that, you know, with this now pretty robust business on the side? Uh, I, I would say yes. Um, you know, we're, we're, it seems like I'm sitting at the desk, you know, for, for a few more hours a day than, than I'd like to. Um, if I, if I wasn't, you know, say operating cut on a day in day out basis, uh, I think my handicap would be lower. And, and that's, that's always a, you know, the, a misnomer. A lot of people, you know, when I went into this, lots of folks said, Oh, your rounds are going to go down. Uh, you know, you kind of like, okay, whatever. And then, you know, sure enough, your rounds go down, your handicap goes up. Um, I'm not sure that mine would have come down anyway, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, the, we're, we're fortunate. Um, we're still operating the business quote unquote out of the garage, um, which I think is going to change here in the next, you know, I would say in the next 30 to 60 days. Um, so because of that arrangement, I'm, I'm around my family, uh, you know, pretty consistently. There you go. Sounds like the classic startup story operating out of your garage. And so is that where you do all your fulfillment and basically run the business? Yeah. I mean, I mean, um, I, yes. I mean, all the, you know, all the day-to-day shipping of orders for the most part still takes place out of the garage. Um, we have, you know, we have a pretty large storage warehouse because these days we, ca- we have to carry so much inventory um, to service our, our day in day out business that we can't, it just can't all sit work how it used to. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're constantly moving inventory from our storage locations into, into the, you know, to our main warehouse location. That's pretty cool that you guys have had to get yourself a warehouse to basically support how much you've grown. And I'd actually love to dive into that topic because we have a lot of people listening to this podcast who are starting things of their own and looking to grow them. And so, you know, you you have this concept, the best damn golf ball under 20 bucks, but how did you get it in front of the right people to, you know, grow it to where it is now? Was it a lot of social media marketing? It was started uh, solely on social media um, with a very, very minimal budget. Um, it was almost negligible to begin with. Um, networking with industry friends, uh, friends of the company that have a little bit more prestigious following than we did uh, when we first started. And when you have a product that's performing like the way the cut golf balls do, at the and that's when we started realizing that we're potentially onto something because with little minimal spend, people started noticing us and it started growing. Um, and then you add on the fact that we started testing more formal marketing campaigns with slightly additional uh, marketing budget since we were starting to make more money and we were growing. And it just started to grow significantly from that. Um, it really was a shoestring budget that amazingly started working and we were able to reinvest our money into it. Yeah, it's incredible that you were able to get this out there on such a shoestring budget. And if you're a consistent listener of the show, then you are no stranger to how big of a fan of social media marketing I am. I find it just to be so fascinating that with a unique approach, you can grow a business organically. 
and all the while leveraging people who have a bigger reach. And I saw you guys have done a ton of this as well. And one exact event that I followed along with um, was when your golf ball was played in the match between Bob Maneri and Golden Tate. And uh, I think this was clearly a very smart move. And so what was the story behind that? Yeah, that was, that was a blast. Um, so Bob and Bob and uh, Golden had, you know, had this banter back and forth on Instagram. Uh, Mentory finally, you know, challenged him to, uh, to the match. Golden accepted. Uh, we saw this as a, as a good opportunity to hop in and, and you know, see, find a way to be the, uh, you know, kind of the official ball of the match. And, and we did, and we were able to meet Bob and, 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 and Golden and make two, two very good friends and a few more along the way since then. Um, and, and both of those guys are just, you know, they're, they're sweethearts. They're, they're good people. Uh, so now every Sunday when Golden's on, we're all rooting for them. That's awesome. Uh, so what, what does something like that do for, for business? Like if you are able to align yourself with like, for that, I mean, that's an event that you're going to get a ton of social media coverage on. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm sure Golden Tate is, you know, a couple hundred thousand. I know Bob Maneri has got like a million followers. So does something like that do, you know, drive a big influx in new business? Yeah, I think, I think you're, you're getting in front of a new audience, which is, yeah. is very important, right? This is a very vast market. Um, you know, not everyone needs golf balls today, but they might need them in, in two weeks, two months. Um, you know, whatever their timeline is and, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll remember, yeah, I remember those guys that sponsored that fun match and, and then, they'll, you know, we will become an option, you know, for, you know, to be their golf ball moving forward. Gotcha. Okay. And so, and so like on the topic to continue talking about marketing, cause I think you guys have just done an absolutely phenomenal job with it. Um, when you're looking at this, who is your target audience that you're trying to acquire? Well, I, I appreciate that compliment and, and the way we manage our brand and our marketing here is, is a day in day out priority. Um, yeah. so I, I, I appreciate you noticing that. Um, <clears throat> I would say the, the challenge that I see with marketing to golf ball is that it, it's, it's not a niche or segment driven sort of, sort of market. So, mm-hmm. you know, what I always use is this almost like an analogy of a foursome where you can almost have four generations of golfers in that foursome and they could all be playing your product, but the way you talk to them has to vary, you know? So for instance, you may have the younger side of that foursome, uh, you know, a, say a teen to, to, to early 20 kid playing in that, in that group. And you're talking to them through Instagram and, and you're not even talking through Facebook anymore. Um, and your, your message needs to be a little, you know, a little bit, uh, catchier and, and you really need to catch their attention. Um, and then you move to the other side of the, the foursome, which could be your avid golfer, you know, maybe the father, the grandfather, who's going to really want to dig into the minutia of the product, the performance, you know, doesn't know Instagram from Facebook and Snapchat, but you know, he's reading, you know, golf digest on a, on a day in day out sort of basis. So, you know, it becomes this, this, you know, trying to figure out where you really point your message to where it's going to be most effective. And then also where it's going to be most cost efficient. 
Gotcha. And so who have you found to be the, you know, the most uh, influenced target audience? Are you finding that younger kids? Cause I like, I mean, I follow you guys on Instagram and you do a great job there. And I know you partner up pe- with people like, you know, the Butsy and you're, and you're getting that younger audience in. Um, are you seeing them to be some of your you know top customers? Or are you finding that the older audience as well is uh, adapting to the whole cut mission? I'll, I'll let Dennis chime in on that one. Yeah. Yes, we we've had a lot of success actually on both sides because we are adamant about making sure we address the larger market of the in the golf space. Um we've partnered with some pretty influential media mediums to help us get the word out. So we've actually had campaigns strictly targeted about performance and quality at a reasonable price to the older generations, which has been very successful in the 50, 60, 70 year old age range. And then obviously with our primary marketing function and how we've launched the company being on social media, our day in day out core is probably your, your yuppie millennial group, which is the 25 to 35 year old in the United States. Um, so yeah, it goes back to what Sam was saying is just being able to message properly and being able to put, find the right medium to convey that message and we've been relatively successful because of our value proposition. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and, uh, you know, like you're just saying, you're able to. Well, so I'm, I'm 26 years old and something I feel like has been missing, especially with a golf ball, it has been a brand that identifies with that millennial group. And, you know, the reason why I think you've been able to get it is because, you know, like I said earlier is when we're, I'm going out with a couple of friends to play, you know, people are going to go lose a couple sleeves and they're just there to have a good time and enjoy it. But don't want to, uh, you know, play a crappy ball. They would like to play something decent. But another thing I noticed is that, you know, some of my friends, um, you know, they'll just hop in the pro shop real quick and go buy the cheapest option before we go play. And so for you guys, since you've achieved so much success from the direct to consumer route, are you thinking about getting this customer as well, going in the pro shops, going into retail so that, you know, the guy who buys stuff real quick before a round uh, can go buy a cut golf ball? Yeah. Um, the, the answer is yes. We're, we're currently, um, we actually just, um, landed on the Roger Dunn here in Santa Ana, California. Uh, you know, we just landed on their floor in the last week. Um, we have some attention from, from some pretty large retailers right now. So I think by early, early 2019, you'll start to see us move more into the retail, um, space. Um, I, from the, from the moment that this idea came to mind, I, I, I never wanted to sink, you know, all of our eggs into the direct to consumer basket. Um, I, I see the golf ball as an impulse buy, you know, when even, even us avid core golfers are, you know, we have our moments where you just forget to, yeah, to load yeah. up on, on your golf balls, right? Like, Oh, you know, you show up to the course and then, uh, and then you're paying your penance to the pro shop. And, and that's okay. I mean, we support pro shops. Um, we're just, we just want to be a new option within the pro shops and the retail environment that says, look, you can buy this quality golf ball. It's the same price that it, you know, that you'll buy it online. It's the same price that you're going to buy it in the retail, um, location. And then, you know, this allows us to really expand our, our distribution into, uh, into new markets as well. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting that you guys are definitely thinking about doing that because, the way I see it is that you have this phenomenal branding and messaging on Instagram and 
like you said, the guy walks into the pro shop, he forgot to load up on golf balls beforehand, has to buy a dozen, uh, isn't looking to break the bank and remember seeing you on Instagram or, or something like that. And like, oh, you know, I, I actually saw they had great reviews and they have, you know, it sounds like a really cool brand. I'm gonna give them a try. And I could see you guys acquiring a lot of those customers. But Clearly, you have a lot of growth plans in place, and it's taken a lot to get to this point where you can begin to have those thoughts. And uh, starting a business is anything but a straight line, though. And so since starting Cut, have there been any obstacles you guys have had to uh, overcome? You have time for another podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got uh, 30 more minutes to talk? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the, the short answer is, of course, there's, there, there's the day-in, day-out challenges, there, I mean, we are experiencing good growing pains that any startup, um, you know, I mean, it, at the end of the day, the way I look at it is we sell a widget. I mean, you can interchange that ball and you, you can insert something else. And with the amount of growth and attention that the brand is receiving, right, which is right now is, wow, there's a whole lot of demand. And now we have to plan for this demand accordingly. You have to deal with lead times from your factory. You have to deal with, you know, because we are looking at the retail side of things, you have to look at, you know, their payment schedules back to, back to the manufacturers that they stock on their shelves. And, and then you have some gaps to, to fill in um, from a revenue perspective. And, and then you have your, your, your day in, day out operating expenses. So those are the challenges that, that we see. Uh, but they're, I mean, you know, the way I look at it is, is you know, well, good, good for you. Now you're in business finally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, those problems are a beautiful thing. It means, like you just said, that you're in business. And this crazy idea that you had a couple of months back is actually working. And so with all that in mind, with the success you guys are achieving to me, you all are just the ideal model of using social media to grow a direct-to-consumer business. And with e-commerce being as hot as it is, and a lot of people probably have ideas that they would love to pursue, uh, for that person who's sitting there, um, you know, wants to take the leap into this, uh, would you have a piece of advice that could help them get that idea off the ground like you all did? Uh, my advice would be, you know, to, to one, to do it, Right. Um, yeah. start your idea, scale your idea. Um, I mean, I, I like to tell the story of today. Uh, I'm sorry. You know, our first order was, you know, was this like little pallet of golf balls that came in. And then when I think about that first order and like not really knowing if we were going to sell everything and having a lot of uncertainty, right. Yeah. And now I look at that first pallet that arrived and, and I mean, that's, that's nothing. I mean, that's maybe <laughs> like three or four days worth of orders. <laughs> and then, uh, and then it's we're crazy. on to the next thing. Right. So I would say, look, first, you know, get your idea going, you know, uh, pull away from the you know front of that computer or iPad or whatever it is and, and, and go, go to market, you know, find your way there. Um, yeah, buy that domain name, get going. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get the thing going and, and you're going to do, you know what? It's okay to be wrong. Um, it, you know, I think, um, a, a lot of folks just go, well, this may not work or, you know, maybe the message I'm throwing out right now isn't going to resonate. Well, it's okay. I mean, your, your audience will tell you that. Um, so I mean that, that'd be, you know, one area of advice. And then, 
you know, pick, pick a message, focus on your branding, um, focus on your marketing, pay attention to your analytics and, and just know, you know, I pride myself on, and these days it, it, it doesn't happen as much as it, I'd like it to, but I, I know just about every square inch of my business. And, you know, now it's like, there's so much going on that, you know, I'm like, Oh, I didn't realize that was happening. And it's a sad moment for me, but, you know, I also understand I got, you know, higher level things to worry about other than, you know, but gets into orange County at three 30 next Tuesday <laughs> for the invitational. Um, yeah. so th- th- that would, that would be my advice. I think a lot of people just go, Oh, this will never work. It'll never work. And they like almost talk themselves out of it. Or I just say, you know what? just, you know, make a small investment. Don't go hog wild and, you know, put yourself out there and, and hopefully you will have the same success um, or the success that you were looking for. I hope you find. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, what you just said there has been such a reoccurring answer and it's, it's not just the tail end of your response, but also what you said in the beginning of just start. And, I think uh, that's so important to get across again and again because you can kind of sit there in limbo with this idea and just being afraid to take that first step. But like you said, what's come of it is probably more than you expected and that's just because you took it day by day and kept going. But so so golf has obviously given you guys a lot in your lives. I'm, I'm sure just not just friendships, but business opportunities. And you know, it's been like that for myself. And I personally think that to get more people into golf, we have to show you know how much the game can add to your life. If you once again back to that theme of just starting, and so I think this answer will you know pertain to the both of you. You might have a different response, but uh, is there anything golf has given you that has been you know you can look back and say that's been a you know a great benefit to my life or my career besides cut golf? You want us both to answer. Yeah, I don't see why not. It could, uh, you know, you both might have some solid responses to it. I'll let Dennis go first. <laughs> a loaded question, right? I think for me, golf, <laughs> golf has been instrumental in just having another hobby of mine, like to find sports. I've always been pretty competitive, always grew up playing sports. So having golf supplement <laughs> my previous sporting. Uh, passions has been really important for me just to, and overall to keep my sanity, I think, um, yeah. having the escape to go to the driving range and just being able to constantly see improvements in my game, uh, was really monumental. I was actually able to hit hole in one a couple years ago, which was incredible for me. So I can scratch that off my bucket list. Um, and yeah, it's just been a lot of fun just to be able to go out and play golf. Well, congrats on the hole-in-one. I have yet to have one, so I'm very jealous of you. And I love that answer because, well, we had a buddy of mine, his name's Trey from Outside the Cut, on the podcast, and he had a similar answer. It's just something to do. You can move to any city in the world and not know anyone and just go join a golf club or start playing golf, and you can meet like-minded people. And so uh, that's just a yeah, great answer. And uh, Sam, what about yourself? Uh, I would say it's taught me a lot of patience. Um, yeah, and it's very humbling in a way. Um, you know, I think even at the pro level, um, it's amazing to see how much these guys work on their game and, you know, like how intricate, you know, their preparation has, has gotten over the last few, you know, as of recently. 
you know, where, you know, guys have not only their full swing coach, but their short game coaches, putting coaches, we're seeing what track man is brought into the game. But I would say for me, the, the main thing, because I'm not a very patient person, I'm competitive, I'm emotional. And a lot of those things don't really go hand in hand with the golf course if you want to perform well. So I've had to learn, you know, how to shake off the bad shots. Um, I've had to learn that, you know, there, it's just you out here. It's just you, that ball on the golf course. Yeah. Um, I came from a background of playing team sports and, um, you know, it was very interesting. I, I was competing in the golf channel, um, in the national competition, like a few years back and had a horrible round and found myself just sitting, you know, at dinner by myself. Right. I mean, there was no one there to help me lick the wounds. It was just, it was just me, my burger and, and a beer. <laughs> <laughs> Probably more so, than I mean, one. Those, those, those a bit. I'm sorry. I said probably more than one. It's hard not to after a tough round. Yeah. I mean, but yeah. And, and, you know, when you come from being a hockey player, you know, specifically, you know, you all, you know, you and the the 20 guys in the room share that loss together, you know, and you pick yourself up and then you're on to the next day. And here it was, I mean, that was like a very um, sharp reality that I, I learned about the game of golf. Yeah. And I, I, instead of, you know, like I appreciate it. It was very interesting. Yeah. It sounds to me like it's taught you a lot about yourself, you know, kind of your strengths and your weaknesses and how to play them. And so, yeah, I mean, those two phenomenal answers. And I think, uh, you know, it, it just, it shows a lot that golf can teach you and give you so much in your life if you just uh, pick it up. But guys, this has been fantastic. I know you're busy, clearly full-time jobs with this on the side. So, uh, I really appreciate you both taking the time to share the cut golf story. This has been, it's been awesome. Well, thanks for having us on Ryan. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, Ryan. All right. And that wraps up our interview with Sam and Dennis of cut golf co big. Thank you to the both of them for coming on the show and taking the time to tell us about their story. And if you're enjoying the podcast and please subscribe rate and review and hit me up on Instagram or Twitter at Ryan C. Walker underscore. I would love to hear from you. And until next time, thanks again for listening today.